The following is a Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to the Power Cap Podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. It's the Power Cap Podcast. And now, let's go to the Spirit Street Studios. Here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the Power Cat Podcast. The first one from our new podcasting studio. The absolute purple studio for today, at least. In honor of our builder, slash construction foreman, slash contractor, slash free labor dude my buddy this is a nice setup guys this is it looks like a real radio booth if you take a picture from the right angle yes correct we have uh, a little podcasting island back here in our new studios that we're still constructing and we're really excited about the studios it'll enable us to do some really neat stuff some stuff that uh, nobody else is doing we have a video set that is about a week eh, maybe two weeks away from completion need some little more lighting we've discovered we're going to put that in we've got a stand-up spot for uh, analysis with a monitor we've got a stand-up spot uh, with a really cool background uh, that I think we're going to do some stuff on a weekly basis from all in a very confined space don't trip over the wires welcome to the studio because there's lights everywhere too so but anyhow uh we're excited to be back here we hope it sounds a little bit better we're away from the street where we were in my office we're away from some of the other noise and we're much better soundproofed this is the power cap podcast sponsored by fridge wholesale liquor and of course we're the gang from GoPowerCat.com. Tim Fitzgerald, Riley Gates, Zach Carlson. And everything's been going great here. We're plugging away on construction, finally made breakthroughs, and today the printer died. Yeah, it was bad. We now have three printers, none of which work. So we have some... Bill Snyder would be proud of our consistency in that area. That it doesn't work? All three of them. Oh. We're very consistent. I mean, having, do we know that the other two don't work? They both have serious issues. One thinks it's a paper jam and there's no paper jam. And the other one, we think it's card went out. Because it is from 1998, when we started the magazine in 98. And it's a really good, been reliable, and then just went... Hmm. Interesting. But uh, we're plugging away. You know what is very reliable is the fridge wholesale liquor. Get on down to the fridge at the corner of Westport and Claflin. You can get in there and uh, buy everything that makes your liver go wee. Uh, what? What? <laughs> That's the weirdest ad I think I've ever heard. Make your liver happy. Stop into the fridge. All right. There you go. That's a better one. I, I think you should do that one instead of whatever makes your liver say wee. Wee. Go visit Kevin and the gang at the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. They've been sponsoring us for many, many years, and we hope to continue this relationship. And um, they are just great people and a great place to buy your booze needs. Yeah. I drive over there. Oh, yeah. It's... And and I'm literally I'm two minutes from another establishment that involves um, alcohol. I'm not going to name it. No. But it's, it's eyewear. Two, yes, eyewear. Yes. Huh. 
eyewear and something that you drink. Alcohol eyewear. Yes. Let's just put those together and you can figure out where I live. Manhattan people are totally getting this reference. Everyone else is like, what the hell are they talking about? They're going to go into an eye doctor's and be like, I heard you guys sell booze. Now there is a great business model. No, the eye doctors do not sell booze. (laughs) Yep. Sunglasses, frames, eye exams. But I drive to the other side of town for the fridge. The fridge is fantastic. And our our segment sponsor is Tanner's. They've been with us a long time, too. But (laughs) Kansas State is getting ready to go to the NCAA tournament. Well, they're going to stop first in the Big 12 tournament. But uh, there's a lot of postseason basketball coming up for the Wildcats. And if you are in the area, have that community moment, that sense of team and stop by Tanner's and watch the NCAA tournament and Big 12 tournament right there with our friends Jeremy and Charlie and everyone else that runs the uh, Tanner's establishment here in Manhattan. It's owned or it's operated by K-Staters, partially owned by K-Staters, and it is just a wonderful place to watch sports. Best sports bar outside of Vegas I've ever been in. We were at Tanner's last weekend. Yeah. It's, it's, I th- we were. <laughs> it went well. Let's put it that way. Ross Uglin was in town, the new writer. He came in for basketball. K-State lost. Thanks, Ross. All right. Well, all right. Here's the thing. Ross turned on the K-State-West Virginia game in Manhattan when K-State was down at halftime. Yeah, 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 yeah. They came back. They won nine straight. Ross comes to town in hopes of continuing that mojo, and they lost. We have banished him back to North Dakota. Canada. 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 Welcome to Canada. Um, yeah, and he can just stay there if this is the kind of behavior we get out of him. <laughs> the kind of behavior we get out of him. Hanging home L's on the cats. And then Iowa State turns around and loses at home. Baylor was out of its mind last night. Out, yeah, that did you was watch that? Neat. That was oh, awesome. Baylor was scary good. And now nobody's been talking about Baylor, but they're tied with Iowa State in the standings all of a sudden. That's incredible. It's been a four-team race. Now Iowa State is two games behind K-State, and so is Baylor. And, of course, Tech and KU are one game behind, uh, and they're going to sort something out Saturday in Lubbock. I'm fired up. Yeah, I was trying to convince people. I was like, you want Baylor to win, guys. You don't have oh, another absolutely. chance to play Iowa State. Absolutely, because now you've got a really tangible path to the Big 12 title, outright Big 12 title. If you go – if you lose in Lawrence – that's fine. Yeah, as long as three things happen. Kansas State wins the rest of the games, which apparently Baylor's going to be a tough out when they come to Manhattan. Tech wins Saturday against Kansas in Lubbock. Home team wins. And Iowa State beats Tech to close the season in Iowa State in, in Ames. So home team wins. So if the home teams hold court, K-State's going to win the Big 12 title as long as they only have one loss. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Well, let's not take anything for granted. We could drop dead, like, in a week. K-State could lose to Oklahoma State. Let's not take that for granted. Yeah, this this team makes me nervous, guys. It just... It, all the si- We'll get to it in the second half for sure, but all the signs are pointing to, hey, I think they're going to win the Big 12, which is why I'm very nervous that they won't win the Big 12. It's like it's one of those situations where you're like everything is so perfect that it's not going to happen. I just have to take care of business, and they seem to be hitting a wall. 
We'll get to all this. I'm sure we got some great questions from Wabash Station. Again, we're sponsored by The Fridge, and this segment sponsored by Tanners. And here we go with your questions from Wabash Station. Here's Mr. Zach Carlson. From Taco Cat 3000, given all the circumstances going in and the final result, were you encouraged or discouraged by Monday night's game? Uh, I'll say this. I was highly discouraged by a lot of it. I thought you should have come into Morgantown and throttled a very inferior team, especially with so much on the line. But I was more encouraged by how they came back than I was discouraged by how poorly they played. Because they didn't just, like, slowly come back and, like, you know, West Virginia missed some shots. Like, they were forcing turnovers. They were knocking down shots. I was impressed with the rally more than I was disappointed in the way it started. Um, and I think that says a lot because that start to that game was – that's pretty ugly. So, encouraged or discouraged? I was just encouraged. <laughs> I was right in the middle. Uh, you know, I they they have to come out with more fire. They can't do this. They just can't. They're not good enough to do this. That's what bothers me. If you line the teams up in the Big Twelve, the the main contenders, you can make an argument that K State has the least amount of talent. Overall, top to bottom, now they have probably the best upper crust of seniors, and that experience certainly is is an intangible that you just can't measure but is wildly valuable. Um, but they just messed around in the first half. They came back in the second half. Things were nip and tuck, and then they made a few tweaks and got on a run. Their energy went up, but they started doubling down on the big man, doubling, tripling, quadrupling. Bruce Weber would come into the game and – cover him a little bit. (laughs) Culver was just a man and a half, and they couldn't stop him. They couldn't do anything about him. But they were trying to take him on with single guys, and and honestly, I think he, a freshman, a freshman just really blatantly exposed how bad K-State's post play can be. We're going to... Yeah, we'll get into that. Well, we're going to talk... We're going to see Culver. We're going to see Culver a lot over the next three years. No, we're not. You think he's going to pros? Except that... That body, if that game develops next year, uh, he'll be gone after two. Let's cross our fingers. He is something else. They, I didn't know they made him that way. I've been covering K-State basketball a long time. I, I loved Bruce's comment in the post game. He was like, he said that they were talking about who was going to be all freshman team or whatever, and they said Culver will be on there. And he said, Culver at Texas Tech's not a senior, or not a freshman. And he said, no, Culver at West Virginia. And he says, well, he's not a freshman. And they were like, uh, d- yeah, he is. I think that shows just how how much of a freak he is. From Jim Cat, I know it's not good to call out specific players. However, is there any reason for James Love and Nigel Shad to return next year? In their eyes, it'd be great to return. Uh, James Love offers something. Just having that big body, he's just got to get better, guys. His footwork's bad. Is he's not athletic at all? He runs like. Your grandmother with a bad back. <laughs> That's but, the best analogy. <laughs> but there's, there's kind of something. He's six foot there. eleven, and yeah. he looks like he's six foot seven when he's on the floor. I know he's got to. They got to break some habits. James, you got to play upright, man. I, there's times to get low on defense, but you're six eleven. That's why you're in the game. That's why you're on scholarship. That's exactly what I was gonna say. That's why you have a scholarship. If you were six seven, hello NAIA. <laughs> So, uh, but I think Shad's just proven to be, you know, he's a flop, a, a misfire, um, and 
You know what? When you play Nigel Shad ahead of Austin Trice, I think you're admitting that maybe you missed on Austin Trice, too. Oof. Well, next question is, at the, from Purple Powerhouse, at this point, would anyone be surprised to see Austin Trice transfer out after this season? He can't be happy with his playing time, and he might be better off at a mid-major. I don't get it. Before we talk about Austin Trice transferring, I don't get it. And I know we've said this a bunch on the podcast, but it's not like he took a step back, first off. This was the type of player he was at Wabash Valley Community College. And if you... If you were unaware, if he was dominating in JUCO like he was, and you were unable to recognize that, hey, the transition from JUCO to Division One is gonna be a little tough. Ugh. How you can you didn't pick up on that at all? You didn't have that that hunch or that reserve at all about him that he might struggle to transition. It it puzzles me because they. They put so much into him. We talked about Bruce being in Chicago the night before an 11 a.m. tip against TCU in the Big 12 tournament. That's how much they wanted him. And now they don't even put him on the floor, but they'll put Nigel Shad out there, which I disagree with totally. I, I think that they're not even close to the same. I'd, I'd put, I would put Austin Trice out there way before, and, and he put the best big minutes on the floor on Monday. He did. I, I'd love to know what's going on in practice that he has drifted now to that role. I find it offensive to my basketball senses that he's behind some of these guys because he goes out there and, and really works hard. Maybe he doesn't get the defensive rotations or doesn't get get offensive stuff. But, look, the other guys stink at offense. I don't see great defense from the other guys. Levi Stockard might understand defensive rotations, but he doesn't understand it without fouling. Uh, it's not, I, I can't see a clear differential between all the guys out on the floor unless there's something going on in practice. Bad attitude, which he doesn't outwardly seem that way. Just lazy, he doesn't outwardly seem that way. Maybe he doesn't take it serious. I mean, we kind of know. I don't know. I... But this gets back to what you just said. This is the dude you recruited. You went and saw him play a number of times. You could easily identify... Hell, any of us could have identified he can't shoot free throws. He's not an offensive threat. Um, he kind of runs around at times looking a little bit lost. Maybe that, maybe he, they had it so simple for him at Wabash Valley. He didn't show these things. But I'm telling you, you completely misevaluated this guy. And if there's a problem in practice, surely someone at the school, a coach, an assistant coach, Someone else in the vetting process said, well, his practice habits need to really improve. He, he, this is the guy you recruited. He didn't get worse. And again, they cannot properly evaluate and recruit big men over and over. Dean Wade was a gift from the basketball heavens because he came from your own backyard and you could, everyone could see he had a huge upside. And Makama Ween was a transfer because he flopped somewhere else and cruised in here and he's been okay. Okay. The weak link in your starting lineup. But here we are. From I Like Pickles Cat, who was the last K-State big man who progressed well throughout their career? The first one, D.J. Johnson. Yeah. Oh, D.J. Johnson. You know, it's amazing. They they smacked it out of the park with D.J. Johnson. When considering they got he was a two-star sitting out there. May? Yeah, sitting out there with no options. And it wasn't just that D.J. was able to develop. 
they got a kid that wanted to develop, that worked his ass off, did everything he needed to do to become the DJ Johnson we saw as a junior and senior. And it wasn't just because he could score and rebound. He played hard and he worked hard on and off the court. It you, you got to get back to identifying those kids. You got to go find the Barry Brown big man, which is essentially what he was an under recruited guy who had an upside and was willing to bust his tail to get there. Um, and also, you might want to throw in Curtis Kelly because when he arrived as a transfer for Kansas State, he was okay. But by the end of the game, by the end of his senior season, he was something else as a post player. Yeah, I, I guess I was keeping it more to the Bruce Weber era. And he's really – I, I consider Dean more of a, a, a perimeter player. Yeah. It, you know, he's a four, stretch four, a three maybe in the NBA if he can guard that spot. I don't know. But he's not – if you talk about post players, which Dean really – you can slide him in there for a few minutes, but he's really not capable – capable of covering posts. DJ Johnson is the only one they have recruited out of high school or recruited directly out of junior college that has been worth a damn. Stephen Hurt was a flop. Brandon Bolden probably might have might have been something. Let's say might have been uh, something. No. Probably you don't think so? No. I think he was better than Stephen Hurt. I don't I don't I I didn't mind Stephen Hurt. I'd take Stephen Hurt right now big time. Bigly. I would. Interesting. I, but that's how bad I think everyone behind Mac is. That So that was like really the only big recruits then. Uh, Isaiah Maurice, well, that was an attitude thing. He was going to hit it. Isaiah Maurice was going to get there, I think. Again. But they mis-evaluated his, his uh, mindset, I guess, attitude, character, whatever. It just... They haven't hit on anything in, in the bigs, and it's it's frustrating because we've seen them hit so well on guards. Barry Brown should not have been this. He wasn't recruited until late when he had already committed to K-State. Kamal Stokes was a commit to, oh, I'm blank, I think to Toledo maybe. I forget. He had committed somewhere else before he went to – before committing to K-State, they found guards in the rough. They found guys that have translated to phenomenal players and some of the guys that are going to go down in school history as I don't want to say one of the best, but some of the best to ever play. You found an NBA talent in Wesley Wundu, but you can't find anybody that's over six foot eight tall to play competent basketball. Well, Marcus Foster was a steal that went off the rails. But I think you can look at Look through the history of K-State recruiting, and it really the first factor that comes into play when, you know, aside from just talent, I mean, Austin Butkey had a great attitude, but he he was what he was. He was but Austin Butkey. When, when you look at it, a similar talent pool, you can't take a risk on attitude. All the kids we talk about that have been a success in Bruce Weber's program are good kids, committed to all the things you want a student-athlete to be committed to. And uh, the other ones just go off the rails. And, and I think part of it is Bruce isn't someone that can reform those guys. Uh, I'm sorry. He's not a Bob Huggins or a Frank Martin. They're just different style of coaches. And you you know the you can take a kid like Dean Wade, and I don't think he'd work for a Huggins or a Martin. I think that would derail him. And Bruce can't get the kids back on track that need it 
So that that all that means you got to recruit to the kids that can flourish in your system. I don't think Bruce and his staff have done that. From Mountain Joe, who is our big man coach and recruiter, and does he need to move on as well? Well, Brad Corn's the big man coach mainly, but they all recruit all big recruited. men. It, they recruit on on territories and regions, uh, relationships more than positions, which is smart, obviously. So that I, they don't really have that, but. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it's so much that Brad can't develop big men. I mean, I think he has struggles. Maybe he's probably not as good as I guess I don't I wasn't as familiar with the responsibilities of the last staff. I was Brooks coaching the big men before I, I think. But I think it just like what we just hit on there. It goes back to the recruiting. I mean, it doesn't matter how good of a of a talent developer you are if you get somebody in your system like a Dante Williams who just never had it or a Nigel Shad who's just a complete miss on recruiting I mean, I think it more stems back to that because I think that Brad Korn is a good basketball coach um, but you can't give him nothing and expect him to make it you know a, a marble sculpture out of it you know recruiting big men's hard it really is you know it's almost like recruiting offensive linemen out of high school because those guys are going against smaller players and can dominate them, and it turns out they're really not that good. Hello, Chris Bogus. Um, and the big men thing at, at college is kind of the same way. That's the value of AAU hoops. You get to see big men play against other big men, other talent. Look, Kansas has a five-star big man right now who is struggling as a freshman. Coaching them just isn't you know, an easy thing. They have to develop. But uh, you also, as a coach, and you can't raise the dead. And I think that's the, it's just recruiting failures, not coaching failures, recruiting failures. And it has to stop. This program will die on the vine if they don't correct this problem. They have dead weight on the bench. They can't just dump them all right now and go get a bunch of more high school scrubs. They've got themselves in a position where they take too many chances. You can take a chance once every couple years and hope it pays off. They are sometimes taking multiple chances within a recruiting class just to fill it. This has to stop. You work very hard at recruiting, and I don't understand why the bench is so thin and the future uh, is so threatened by the departure of only three seniors. I mean, you can have a senior class. That can be five, six guys. And that's really diminishing of your program. They only have three seniors. And and everything is in peril for the future because they have recruited so poorly they don't have enough Big 12 quality players on this roster. From I Like Pickles Cat, how worried are you about the depth of this team next year? Intensely. Uh, very. Yeah. I think it's pretty telling that of the – I guess I'm going to put good news in the class. Of the four freshmen that you signed – for 2019, I think we're probably going to see two, if not three, of them on the floor regularly. They have to be. Uh, yeah. They're, they're two starters, for sure. Yeah. Unless someone really develops over the the summer. Uh, you know, I don't. I just don't see Mike McGurl as a starter. I, no, but he's going to have to be a sixth man. Yeah, he's going to be the sixth man. He is. You got, then, you got Mac, you got Cartier, you got X. You fill in with Dejuan. He'd probably fill in with Montavious. Yeah, I think those two will start. I think you, know, you don't have a four, so that's probably Montavious. And you've got Cartier running the point. You needed two, and that's probably Dejuan, who, by the way, on his highlights from the Chicago City title game, they called Dewan. So I'm very confused. Bruce called him Dejuan. I know. I, I know. 
Maybe they didn't know any better. He also calls Kamal Kamal. So yeah. they also take it with put a grain a, of salt. They also put Kapegel in the pronunciation guide of good news, and it's Pegel. Apparently, allegedly, allegedly, Barry Brown. Allegedly, I'm just going to say this right now. I'm not bothering to learn that name. <laughs> You're making a prediction. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just not. <laughs> it's not going to be good depth. You're going to be looking at a guy in James Love who you go to at West Virginia when your big men get in some foul trouble, and you're going to say, James Love will probably play like 15 minutes a game. Going to have to what's, probably. What's terrifying is here. Levi Stockard has to get dramatically better. That's the one guy that might have some hope of having some. He, he rises up and hits a 10-footer once in a while. He does some things once in a while. But he's so awkward with his footwork. There's just so much to work on with him. And But mostly when I watch him play, I just don't get a sense that he gives a damn. Passion. He needs it. Just I'm out here. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be here, and now i got to go do this. And I want a little more helter-skelter Give me the damn ball off the rim. Yep. From Purple Powerhouse, Dean Wade was the preseason Big 12 player of the year, but his production has fallen far short of those lofty expectations. What will it take to get Wade to be more assertive? Yeah. I don't know. Just right. stop trying or stop hoping. I, I mean, I don't I don't know. It, nothing you can do nothing for Dean at this point to improve his situation. Dean has to improve his situation. He has to understand his skill set, his ability level is special and not just go into hide mode. I missed a shot. I, I probably should just pass the ball for a while. He can't do that, man. He just can't do that. Mostly though Dean needs to get a lot tougher. And I don't mean playing through the foot injury. It just seems like when he when he gets really challenged or he runs into something, too often he backs down, you know. I look at the first half against Iowa State, and maybe he was playing fearful of his foot. Maybe it did hurt a little bit. Either play or don't play. Don't go out there and just say, well, I missed a shot, and I'm just going to pass for the rest of the half. You can't have a guy of that caliber go 0 for 1 from the field and play the number of minutes he did. I, I don't hang that loss on Dean Wade being injured. I hang that loss on Dean Wade not being Dean Wade when he was on the court. Because if he had been, they would have been in the game better. He is what he is at this point. And, and NBA scouts are noticing. Yeah. I, it, I've gotten some texts, and it's, it's not great. It's not, it's not great. And, you know, if someone can hit the right button with him, um, it, he's going to have a really high upside. He's never going to be a star in the NBA, but he can be something – but he's sliding right now because he just looks soft. The most talented soft player I have ever seen. Just soft. Last question of the first half from Cato 5 Since Bruce said Wade has been in a boot and not practicing between games, does this explain his lack of aggressiveness? No. No, I mean, that, that, that was before. Look, it, Bruce said that he's been sore. He was sore after the Iowa State loss. It's not as if he came back from his injury and was magically 100% healthy, was never sore. He never had any any foot pain. He's had this foot pain ever since the initial injury. It's been bothering him all year. But it didn't stop him from scoring, you know, 20 points against whoever. He, I don't have his stats. But he's had double digits in every single game between at Iowa State and home against Iowa State. 
He had two at Iowa State. He had nine at home against Iowa State. Everything in between was double digits. And I guarantee you he was having foot pain then. So, no, I, I, I'm not willing to accept that the foot pain was a cause of his, his lack of aggression against Iowa State. Maybe it flared up a little bit more, and that's fair to say. But I totally, totally do not buy into that excuse because he's proven that he can play on that foot pain at times. Yeah, I, you know, this this gets back to the the Bruce Weber Achilles heel, the excuses. Um, you know, I, the Iowa State game was the granddaddy of them all. Before the game, it didn't matter. Iowa State had a week off. After the game, it mattered that Iowa State had a week off and could could get ready. And and it's not just that he goes in the in the post game press conference and makes excuses that annoy fans. It's he always gives his players a crutch. It wasn't because you didn't play hard enough. It's because they had a week off. It it wasn't because you know you should have played harder. It was because you didn't practice. The answer there is it's always better to practice than not practice. You will be sharper if you practice than you don't practice. But there's a lot of cases in sports when a very valued player is unable to practice and they save him for games. And then it becomes incumbent upon him to make that not matter. That Then I haven't practiced isn't an excuse because – Maybe you're not as great as everyone values if missing a few practices means you're not good anymore. If you have to miss practices for health reasons, don't show it. Be a man. Play through it. And that's just where we are with Dean. And Bruce has to stop giving his team crutches upon which to lean. Stop with the excuses. Just stop with it. Toughen them up more. Now, you've got some great senior leaders who have – in my opinion, learn to adapt to your style and and ignore you at times, which I think most seniors do. Yeah. You know, no matter if it's Bill Snyder or Bill Self, and there's a degree of, okay, I know what I'm doing here, coach. You know, get out of my ear hole. But I think with young players, when, well, coach said in the press conference, we, we, we lost because we had to travel to Hawaii. Just those things just slowly deteriorate the toughness. The, the message is, who cares, man? Every day. That's not an excuse. Go get it done. Demand excellence. And and Bruce has done wonders right now with this group and this team, and uh, they honestly have a chance to replicate another Elite Eight season. They have it. But they're going to have to find that inner strength that they found last year and, and get it done in the postseason. And enough of the excuses. You're hurt? Okay. Play or don't play. There's no middle ground there. Play or don't play. And we're not playing around. This is the Power Cat Podcast. Sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. That is segment one. The first half of the podcast is in the rearview mirror. And right after this break and message from the fridge, we will be back with more K-State Sports Talk. The Power Camp Podcast continues shortly. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. 
It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan. Online at FridgeLiquor.com. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. We now return to the Power Cat Podcast. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast from our brand new Absolute Purple Studios. That sounds cool, man. I'm telling you. I think you gotta you gotta not, preface it or something. We're not, not sponsored paying, by Absolute. Not paying us any money. <laughs> well, it's just for today. Okay. Just Toby paid us with sweat. I mean, I was gonna say I'm okay with like naming it after Toby, but. I just I felt like you needed to preface it and not just say we're the absolute purple. Great, student. now we've doxed Toby. Nobody knows Toby. Nobody knows Toby, but the secret to Toby is that's not his actual name. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. See? <laughs> Hold on. As the story goes from Brother Toby, there were many people of his same first name in his pledge class. So in an Animal House moment, when they got their pledge pins, they gave them all new names, and nobody got to keep their original name. So there was no one of that name in his pledge class, and he was named Brother Toby. That's wow. Actually, that's actually funny. I think what's he's got a criminal license? history. I want to know what's on his driver's Well, I'm license. not going to say that out loud. Because, believe me, people are probably looking for this dude. He is sketchy. People don't even know who he is. He's sketchy. All they know is a man named Toby. Allegedly named Toby. Allegedly named Toby. This is the Powercat Podcast. We're sponsored by The Fridge. Get into The Fridge at the corner of Claflin and Westport. Go. Uh, I didn't even look up their specials today. I'm so excited to be here. One of the cool things we do, we have uh, segment sponsors including the show sponsor, but all of our segment sponsors are customers of the fridge. So if you go into uh, Tanner's or this segment sponsor, the high-low, you're going to get all your booze and everything you get there that you can get at the fridge. So, like, if you fall in love with a a mediocre beer that you can find playing Milwaukee Roulette at the high-low, push the button, pay, what, three cents? Three bucks. Three cents? Three cents. Three cents would be a good deal. Uh, three bucks, get the magical beer, random beer that comes out. There you go. The magical beer. There you go. You got Milwaukee Roulette, beer comes out, and you go, ooh, I love this mediocre beer. You can find that beer at the fridge, along with all the other booze. That's that's how it works. Talk about the perfect mix. You can get pizza, or as we found out, mac and cheese pizza at the Hilo. Yeah. As well as uh, we liquor gonna, from the fridge. Or when, when we're done here, are we going to go there again? I was going to go get a salad at Chick-fil-A. They're not a sponsor. <laughs> well, Hilo doesn't serve. Well, yes, they do. Yes, they do. They have salads. Do they really? I think. I'm disappointed. 
Well, maybe I'll get it there. We can go there. Uh, you know what? Their their pepperoni bricks are very dietary friendly. They will fit right in on your diet. Okay. They're made with real uh, Please egg butter <laughs> and pepperoni and bread. All very healthy things. And we're working on a third sponsor because we lost a sponsor because, unfortunately, one of my favorite places in town went out of business. Uh, God bless. Rest in peace, Wahoo. Uh, and we're going to hopefully next year be debuting a new sponsor. I'm not ready to say who it is, but I'm just going to say that the word board, board is not in their name. <laughs> That's a good way to say it. Of course, I can't really say it. Thank you. Thank you. They, too, are... It's named after someone that cooks things. Yes. Uh, yeah. In a kitchen. <laughs> and get their liquor from the fridge. And, and there's a reason why. They're the best. Uh, you, uh, I can't. They just... <laughs> the fridge delivers literally to all these places and, and does it in a timely manner, and they will... They can't deliver to you because we're in the state of Kansas, and that's no fun. But they, they will definitely be very helpful when you go in. One segment down, another segment's on board here, and uh, I'm told there's no football. Chris Kleiman's out there literally busting his ass to spread the message of K-State football. And Riley Gates and Zach Carlson get together and conspire to hold him back. No. To suppress his message of love and the power cat and all of those purple things he is professing to people in Garden City, in Dallas, Wichita, and Kansas City over the last two days, and they have gotten together and said, we're not going to talk about I that. I did not. There I'm, was I one have, football question. I have no there part was of this. one question in the entire So we're going to continue to talk about basketball, and I have to say this. Um, I was a little bit grumpy in the first segment just because I see some real flaws in this program that are getting covered up by great senior leadership and some very special players and most notably Barry Brown, who I would pick as Big 12 Player of the Year. They're, those aren't empty stats. Those You add in everything he does offensively and defensively, and I think he's the most valuable player uh, in this conference. And I, I think uh, he probably deserves an award, but he won't win it because there is probably a first-team All-American in here because he plays for the right Wait. program and and uh, and he's going to win the award. Stop stepping on our questions, man. I just like to talk, man. The I'm whole, in my new studio. And it's, the whole first half, you let in <laughs> all of the next questions. So there we go. And here we go. Uh, we're sponsored here in this segment by the High Low. Here's your questions from Wabash Station. I'm going to shut up because I'm answering all the questions, apparently, because I don't get to read the questions. You, you choose to not read the questions. Well, well, that's true, too. Here's Zach. From AZCAT05, how would you explain what happened in the loss to Iowa State? Do we still lose even if Dean doesn't get hurt? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Dean that, played the whole first half and 10 minutes of the second half. Yeah, and they were already in big trouble when Dean left the court. Uh, no, I just think it was one of those days. Iowa State is just one of those teams. When Iowa State wants to shoot the ball like that, they can take down almost anyone in the country. They are a terrifying team in the NCAA tournament just because if they get on a roll, they're going to smoke the competition or they're going to lose a 5-12 matchup. Yeah, to a team exactly like that. That'll light it up from outside. Yeah, or they'll just, they'll just start missing and, and you know someone will outwork them like Baylor did last night in Ames and they'll, they'll lose. But here's the thing. It was a 
Did the luck did the luck fall in Iowa State's favor that they were on in that game? Yes, I will give them that. It was a it was they they were fortunate that they were on. This was not as if this is a team that is very bad and just suddenly caught fire. This is a very good team. They have played multiple games where they've won by doing more than just shooting three-pointers. It's not a make-or-break, hey, you have to hit 14 of 24 threes or you will lose the game. I, I strongly disagree with the opinion that, that they are a lucky team and they're, they're a foe. They're going to be in the top five of the Big 12. I think they'll be a top six seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, so but I just I, I, they were better than K-State that day. Just accept it. They were better than K-State that day. That doesn't mean they're a better team than K-State because they're not. But on that day, they were better. Earlier in the season when they went names, K-State was the better team. It's a pretty simple thing to me. Yeah. From from Jham79, this team is shooting at a nearly 40% clip from three uh, in league road games this year and under 33% from three from the from three pointers uh, in league home games, they're making nine per game on the road and only six per game at home. What gives? That is weird. I, that's weird. a great catch. I have a theory. Okay, go. I think it has to do with the senior leadership and then the fact that they know how crucial it is to go into a road game and get the guys focused, get the Focus. guys ready, ready, prepared, ready. Pretty. I ready. like that word. <laughs> prepared and ready. Pretty. Get them in that mindset for the road games. And when they're in that mindset, they're clicking. They're hitting their shots. They're relaxed, and they're letting the game come to them. When they're at home, they don't really need to get the guys up. I think they understand, you know, kind of, hey, we're at home. That that serves us better. We got the crowd and things like that. And maybe they don't come out as sharp. Um, the entire team, that is, not the seniors. So I think when they go on the road, the seniors do a really good job of getting them focused. And, and when they're at home, everybody maybe is just kind of, I don't want to say on their own, but like just kind of doing their own thing. And they all know how to get ready. They all um, are in their groove. And, and they're not as, as uh, locked in and, and ready when they're at home. That's my theory. Well, I, I agree with it. And uh, I think part of it is they feel invincible at home so they can stand out there and hit three-pointers. And on the road, they, they get in and grind. But you're right. It comes back, I think, to psychological reasons more than physical reasons. Focus. And uh, that, I, that to stop and say this, that indicates they're going to be okay in the postseason. Once they're finished at home, if they get through this conference season, win the Big 12, whether it's outright, hopefully, or a shared title without Kansas, hopefully, um, then they'll be done. They'll go to Kemper. Kemper. Holy cow. <laughs> What just happened what? to my brain? <laughs> what? I'll go to Memorial Memorial Coliseum. Or... What? <laughs> what? I just literally reverted back 20 years in my brain. All right, folks. K-State and Oklahoma State in Hearn Fieldhouse this weekend. Wow. They'll go to the Sprint Center. As soon as I came out of my mouth, my, my, the rest of me went, what what, did, what just happened there? Uh, go to the Sprint Center and then, and hopefully uh, Des Moines or Tulsa, and then back to the Sprint Center, and then uh, off to Minneapolis to win a national title. Woo, woo! You got the. Did you say Indianapolis to win a national? Minneapolis. I, Minneapolis. I thought you said Indianapolis. I kind of mispronounced it too. Mini, mini Minneapolis. I'm not on my A game apparently here, uh, but uh, well, at least I'm not in Kemper Arena. From Wildcat Steve 18, what is it going to take for fans to start seeing Barry Brown is every bit as good as Jacob Poland? 
a game you like ma- the, I'm going to make some people mad. A game at the Xavier, like Xavier, you know, on the enormous stage. If Barry goes into Lawrence, yes, on Big Monday, and torches him, and does some of the things Barry can do, and leads him to victory. That cinches a Big 12 title, they'll put him on that stage. There was just something special about Jake. You know, and, and you look at it, going into his senior season, there was no doubt, and there was other talented players on that team, who the dude was. Yeah. It, it was Jake. I mean, even his junior season when he had Clemente and Kelly, it's just been, it was Jake because of the moxie, you know, everything that went into what made him Jake. Uh, and going into the season, it was Dean's team. I didn't necessarily fully agree with it, but I understand everyone recognizes the raw talent or the upside of Dean Wade. I'll say this. I think Barry Brown, in my mind, has progressed farther than I ever imagined, and I'm ready to almost put him on that Jake Pullen level. When you start talking about stats that he compares to Jacob Pullen and Steve Henson, that is rarefied air. Um, rarefied air. And I think we, um, if you picked the question, I did read some questions. I, there's a really good one in there about who to compare him to. But I think that... Well, I agree with that, absolutely. And I think he's going to end his career, and we're going to look at it, and we're going to say he was about just as special as Jacob Pullen. He is going to go down in the memories like Jacob Pullen. We're going to keep thinking back to Barry Brown. I'm probably going to make a case at the end of the year that he should be a rafters guy. But there, And I, I can't put it into words. There's something about it. I just it, Jake is Jake, like you kept saying there. And it, he just doesn't – I just don't feel that yet. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I'm older now, and Jake was a thing when I was 15, 14, and I made it a little bit more special. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Well, it just doesn't feel like Jake. Yeah, but but special, he is playing special. The fear of the beard t-shirts. I mean, people, there, was just, yeah. there was a connection there to Jake for whatever the reason. But you did – that was my question to you. Does, does he go into the rafters, Barry? Yeah. Dean? No. And then not come out either. Not come out now. Uh, look, this is not a question, but I'm going to dive into it a little bit. Barry Brown deserves to be in the rafters because he's a top five scorer of all time. He's number one in steals. He's going to uh, pro- he's going to push for Big Twelve Player of the Year, which I think is special. And in a moment when this team, in its peak season under a seven year coach, was going to flounder was going to struggle and be a complete disappointment. Barry Brown put the team on his back and willed him to three straight victories that sparked him. That makes him special to me this year. Everybody's argument that I always see on Twitter is that he hasn't been a first-team All-Big 12 player. He's only been second team. I don't think that that should matter. I think it should matter what you do to your program, what you matter, and also with adding stats and awards in there. And I think that you can make a case on stats for Dean Wade, you can make a cast, cat there you go. case on stats, goodness, go, Kemper. for Kamal Stokes. <laughs> but they just they don't have it. Dean Wade, to me, is always going to be the player that we thought could do some really special things, and he did some special things, but he was never consistent enough with it. Kamal Stokes was injury-plagued throughout his career, so we never really got to see him fully, although he's going to go down as one of the best three-point shooters ever. But... Those two just don't have the same feeling as Barry Brown to me because I feel like Barry Brown is going to be the guy like Jacob Pullen that comes back to Bramlage for Legends Day or whatever it is and just gets a roar louder than 
than anything in a game. Well, if your argument is he needs to be first team, he'll solve that here in a couple of weeks. Right. Yeah. And he shouldn't have to do it multiple times to be a Rafters guy. And if that's the case, I think we need to evaluate KU's jerseys in the Rafters a little bit. From Canelio or Nelio, as we learned last I week. I think he lost that ride if he didn't stop us for 18 months. Okay. From I always hear Barry being compared to Jake, but Fitz, do you see any comparisons mm-hmm. of Barry to possibly Mike Evans, Lonnie Henson, maybe even Anthony Bean? I, I, he's better than Anthony Bean, bless his heart. Anthony was good in the moment in which he lived. Um, played. And he's not dead. <laughs> basketball career lived. It's hard for me to refresh my memories. I was just young enough. I watched Evans and Williams play the Purple Pop Guns. But for me to fully define their games, and Kruger was a hair before me, I can't do that. But I will say this. When I was watching him play against Iowa State and then the way he was hitting pull-up jumpers at West Virginia that were unbelievable, he is an old-school dude, man. He's got this... You know, if you want to say Earl Monroe type thing about him, an old NBA guy before the three-point line, that he's going to stop and pop. He's going to put the ball on the floor and rise up from 17 feet, from 12 feet, from 22 feet, whatever it is. He, he's not living by the three-point line. He's living by the open shot. And and I keep hearing the damn uh, announcers talk about analytics. He's driving the analytics guys crazy because he'll, he'll shoot with – a foot on the line. The worst thing you do as a shooter is you worry about where you are. You shoot the damn ball. And if your foot's on the line, if you go check your foot, you're going to miss. Almost all the time you're going to miss if you're worried about anything other than proper foot positioning, not where your feet are on the floor. The things he's doing right now, pulling up and hitting jumpers, is absolutely incredible. It's a forgotten art for the most part in basketball because of the three-point line, and it reminds me of an earlier time, and I can't necessarily have the basketball knowledge as I sit here as a 54-year-old and pin it to any one player, but I can tell you this. He is pretty unique in his time in which he's playing. From MBCAT, if K-State finishes first in big in the Big 12, uh, should Barry Brown be the Big 12 Player of the Year? And yeah. if not Barry, who? Uh, I I was asked that exact question I was asked on the radio on Tuesday morning, and I framed it like this. If K-State wins the Big 12, Barry Brown is absolutely the Big 12 Player of the Year. There's not a question about it, and it's a farce if he doesn't win it. It will be a farce. Because he's not going to be it. If they, if they win. He's not going to be it. Here's the thing. If they win the conference, I agree. He is undoubtedly the reason that they did it. He ended the streak, maybe. There's no question in my mind that he should be the Big 12 player of the year if they win it. If they lose it or if they don't win and and or they share it with KU, I still think he could have a case. Uh but the Dedrick Lawson winning the Big 12 player of the year is not as absurd to me as uh, when Markeef or Marcus, I forget which one, won it over Jacob Pullen simply for winning the Big 12 that year. But that's that point. That's my point, is the KU guy will always have the benefit of the doubt. I think Lawson has won this award no matter what happens. And I know that Scott Drew at Baylor's done a marvelous job with a season in which everything's falling apart, and here they are in the upper half of the conference. But if Kansas State can win the conference – particularly outright and in the streak, there's no doubt in my mind that Barry Brown's the player of the year and Bruce Weber's the coach of the year. End of story. 
End of story. You don't end that streak and not reward the people who did it. That's interesting to me. It, you, it, that's absurd to me that if Bruce Weber's team, if everything falls in place as it should at this place at this point, including a loss in Lawrence by Kansas State, winning the rest, Tech winning against KU in Lubbock, Iowa State winning against Tech in, in Ames, K-State wins this conference outright, and there's absolutely no argument you can present to me that says that Barry Brown and Bruce Weber aren't the top player and coach in this conference because the streak, one of the most notable things in all of college basketball, would have ended because primarily of those two people. It's funny that you say that because that's your mindset on Dieter Glossen winning Big 12 Player of the Year is my exact mindset on Bill Self winning the Coach of the Year in that – that the media, not we the media, but but we the media have have painted this picture of, oh, KU basketball, they've undergone such struggle this year. They've had adversity strike them. And look at Bill Self out here just coaching the Jayhawks up to the top again. And that's why I think he's going to win Coach of the Year. I think Bruce Weber or Scott Drew should be the choice. I would be okay with either one of them winning it unless Baylor falls apart here down the stretch, then absolutely Bruce Weber. But I think it's going to be Bill Self because, oh, man, the NCAA just did him wrong not allowing him to play I, Silvio D'Souza. I don't think the media is going to fall for that, but I do see some media members buying into the argument he's overcome stuff. He hasn't He hasn't overcome anything compared to Baylor. And like Bob Huggins so correctly said, oh, he lost a few players? Well, he's bringing in a McDonald's All-American off the bench. Woe is Bill Self. How, how tough is it when you have a kid redshirting that you were going to redshirt who probably should be a one-and-done, and I'm going to say this. The reason he was redshirting, because he knew he was a one-and-done. Thought he could get by this season without using him, but wanted him next year when Dedrick Lawson was gone. And now, I think he'll be back, but... I literally saw someone make a case that, like, Bill Self has undergone some struggles because Quentin Grimes hasn't panned out. Oh, God forbid a five-star top ten player just didn't pan out. Come that on, is the worst. That's just idiotic. I, I think Bill Self has in some ways done a good job. In other ways, I think he's done a horrible job. And here's why he did. I believe he actually did uh, a real disservice to his team. He had an actual toxic an incredibly toxic person in his locker room. And it took him two-thirds of the season to kick him off the team. And now they're playing better basketball. Well, Gerald Vick is a bad dude. He's a guy you don't want on your team. You don't want in your locker room. You don't want around your players. And for the most part, Bill Self has made good decisions or been able to reform those players. There was no saving Vic, and yet he let him stay because he thought he was so low on talent compared to what he normally is. He needed that scoring ability, and without him, they probably would have lost a few games earlier in the year, but so be it. They probably would have won more games down the stretch because he stunted the growth of other guys. Like I, I, Again, I think KU is a great program, but if this streak ends, the people that end this streak should be the ones who are awarded the, in postseason if they're 
among the top players. And I think Barry Brown is making a strong argument that he's the best all-around player. You can name Lawson a first-team All-American if you want. That does not mean he's the player of the year in the conference. I don't think he probably should be an All-American first team. But, you know, hey, if that's what people think of Lawson, he's an incredible talent. I would take him if I was an NBA GM. But this isn't about NBA games and NBA talent. This is about college basketball. And if Bruce Weber outright wins this conference and ends a streak, I love what Scott Drew's done. Every vote should go to Bruce Weber. From AZ Caddo 5, what has to happen for K-State to win at Allen Fieldhouse? Just play. Just play. Uh, this is – when I watched them play here in Manhattan, it was the first time in a very long time. And this includes the great years of Poland, you know, when they ended the streak and Beasley. And I can look at them and say, you know what, K-State is the better team I just feel like they have enough problems on their team and the senior leadership and those three guys, if they want to show up and play and, you know, just go out on the court with huge sacks and say, we're going to finish what we haven't finished here the last two years. Crowd be damned. KU be damned. The officials be damned. We're going to win this game. They will win that game unless KU just lights it up. Let me get a little bit more. Uh, my theory here you got to avoid the the infamous two fouls in the uh, before the under 16 and then the 12 will run and before the under 12 that's what happens every year now i know the last two years it's kind of been k-state doing that which is really weird but you got to avoid it you got to mccall moeen can't be in foul trouble in the first five minutes of the game dean wade can't pick up two in the first five minutes of the game you got to play your aggressive defense but also not that aggressive because you're not going to get away. They will call every hand touch, every slight, slight hip check. It's probably going to be freaking Gary Pollard or someone like that. Jerry. Jerry, excuse me. Who's turned into just a dreadful official. Just dreadful. Like, I don't – you want to drop your uh, – your your stat that I called for you to drop on the boards last night and you didn't? Sorry, I didn't see it. Oh, okay. The John Higgins? Yeah, the John Higgins stat. I don't know. I don't need to look it up. Over the last like three years, because whatever the site I use doesn't exist anymore that keeps track of all the refs. But at least three years ago, K State had only lost three games where John Higgins was an official. One was the Texas Southern game that they gave up four points in two seconds at the end, um, and then two were like two West Virginia games that they were blown out. Like the the, the officiating didn't matter. K State was like twelve and three or something ridiculous. I don't know. It's probably gone down since then. But John Higgins is a favorable official for K-State. Ever since John Higgins got death threats from Kentucky fans, he's been different. He's a better referee since that happened. So, Well, I would say he was a good official before then. He my, had his two. My problem with Higgins isn't that he favors anyone. I don't even think he gets caught up in the moment. Sermons does. Yes. Jerry Pollard certainly does. <laughs> Um, Kelly Self does. I've seen Kelly Self that much. Yeah, because he sucks, and and Paul Jansen is just. I hate Paul Jansen. He's just horrible. He's just horrible. My problem with Higgins is he gets caught up in him making the big call, which I was saying. I think he's gone away from that a little bit. Right, and and that's I I kind of agree with you, and and it's not about he favors someone or doesn't favor someone. He just boom, this is the big call, charge, and it wasn't a charge, but he it. It was dramatic as hell. Yeah. And because, you, you know, look, it manifests itself in how often a guy wants to go to the monitor. 
I'm going to go to the monitor. I'm on TV. And you can just see it at work with him and Doug Sermons. loves the monitor. Loves the monitor. I feel like that's gone down with Higgins over the last couple years. At least in case. I agree. No, I agree. I think people started to talk about it so much. That he stopped. They noticed that I am going to the monitor a lot. And maybe maybe the Big 12 said, hey, John, you know you're going to the monitor like 30% more than anyone else in the hmm. league. You know, maybe that happened. They do evaluate these guys, believe it or not. Not much changes with some of them. But, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think he has been good for KC at times. Keep an eye on who's – So I mean, it's a shameless plug. Read my game rewind on Saturday because it's going to have the officials in there. Mm-hmm. Keep an eye on who officiates KU, on KU and Texas Tech. Because they can't officiate the next game, right? Is that the rule? I don't think there's a rule, but they if you look don't. at it, they usually don't. Okay. They usually schedule it to where it's, there's you a know, good there's chance a few that those six between. officials won't be in Lawrence on Monday. So I think if you can avoid Pollard, if you can avoid Sermons, you're going to be okay. As in avoid them by have them officiate one of the games on I'd Saturday. Rather have, I'd rather have Pollard or Sermons officiate Oklahoma State, okay? Right. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Well, so basically we're hoping that they send Pollard, Sermons, and uh, Jansen. Jansen to Lubbock on That'd be Saturday. great. And just wreak total chaos 15. in that game. Be fantastic. And then get Higgins, Kissinger, and... <laughs> I don't know. Oh, what's his name? What's Kissinger's the, a good official. What, yeah, he's not bad. What's the really skinny dude's name? The, I mean, I have to go. He's look. tiny. Uh, I'll come up with it. He's a fairly new official in the last two years, and I think he's really good. I just want the Bruce Weber twin to officiate. Yeah, the that, yeah, that creeps me out. <laughs> it's so funny. Hey, bro. Uh, that was a great picture I got yeah. of them that day. From Purple Powerhouse, which of these does the GPC staff think is the most likely in regards to the regular season Big 12 title? Four options. A, K-State finishes in sole possession of the league title. B, K-State shares the Big 12 title, probably with KU or Iowa State. I don't know why you didn't include Tech, but I'd include Tech there too. Um, C, K-State pees down its leg and ends up somewhere between second and fourth place. D, KU wins at least a share of the league title. Well, wouldn't B and D be the same thing, kind of? No. What was B? Is D saying that he that K State doesn't? doesn't? Okay. Or no, K, well K State wins. KU at least at least wins a share. That's so some overlap. B and D here. are different. Okay. B and D are different. But C I, then is they kind of overlap. Uh, well, shout out to. Uh, I think K State will share the title. I do too. But like I said, they've got a they've got a pathway to to winning the title. That just isn't in. Well, it is in their complete control. They went out. They went in Lawrence. They went out. They win the title outright. Period. End of story. So they do have control of this. I guess I'm writing off that KU game as a reflexive habit that you know is covering K State for so long uh, that they're going to lose in Allen Fieldhouse. Shout out to Paracat Ryan on the boards for posting the uh, the standings and the remaining schedule. For each of the teams in the in the standings here, so I can have a good look at this. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> Thank you. So, I'm looking at K State. I think they're going to go four and one down the stretch. I think they'll lose to KU. So that puts K State at fourteen and four. I think KU is going to go four and one. Thirteen and five. And that puts them at thirteen and five. I think so. That makes you that makes you look at Texas Tech, and frankly, there's no reason that Texas Tech shouldn't go five and zero down the stretch, which would put them at fourteen and four. No reason they got to go to Iowa State. I like Texas Tech. Yeah. Iowa State's lost back to back home games. I just don't. I mean, yeah. I would. Everyone pick, talks I, about Hilton Magic. But there was no magic last night. <laughs> there was no night. magic last night. 
great, great Bruce After Dark quote. It's crazy because if you'd have asked me without looking at the schedule, I would have said K-State shares it with KU. Is that even possible? Yeah, it's possible. Duh. Yeah, if KU wins out and K-State loses in Lawrence, but that's it. I th- I'm going to go on the record. God, I hate this. I, I think it's going to be K-State and Tech. I think they're going to tie it. And I think KU will finish third. I've decided it. I think that Texas Tech's going to win on Saturday. And I think K-State's going to win next week. And it'll be over in two games. And it'll be an outright title. It'll be outright. Well, here's the thing. K-State still has three games down the stretch after that. Two of which I'm not fully con- I mean, I'm more confident than I'm less confident. Baylor at home should be a win, but it's still going to be a tough game. TCU on the road, K-State could win by 15, and K-State could lose. Well, TCU's a little shorthanded now. and if they get TCU's been shorthanded for long. Yeah, they almost beat KU. They were shorthanded last year when K-State went down there and lost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so. I agree with you. And Baylor certainly looks much improved. And the thing about Baylor is you can't get outworked by Baylor. And Iowa State got outworked, period. They just got outworked, and that's – and. You know, obviously it's credit they outworked K-State in many ways. They're not known as a good defensive team. They're not known as a good rebounding team, but they were in Bramlage Coliseum. K-State, the end of the day, K-State has to outwork its competition. It just don't overwhelm people with talent. They don't have waves of talent. They're fragile in the fact they don't have great depth. They're fragile in the fact that they got a couple seniors that are a little bit gimpy. Just, But you can control how hard you play. Do that. Just go four and one down the stretch, and you win a Big Twelve championship. Can you do that? Can you go four and one to win a conference championship, playing two of the worst teams in the conference? That I shouldn't be that tough I, of a task. I can't, but they maybe they can. Last question of the second half from I like Pickles Cat Fitz. This team refuses to let you be right about anything. I've how noticed. do you plan? How do you plan to leverage this for personal gain? <laughs> Kansas State cannot win a Big 12 championship, and Kansas State cannot win a national championship. There, maybe that is that the double reverse jinx. Do we have the budget to go to Minneapolis? Oh, uh, we will. <laughs> we'll find it. It's it's not it's that not bad that, a drive. It's not. I'm, a jo- bad I'm drive. joking. It's not that bad a drive. Look, this is the dream scenario for Kansas State basketball and GoParacat.com covering Kansas State basketball. Des Moines or Tulsa, Kansas City, Minneapolis. Not a single flight in there. I'm telling you, we're going to Hartford, Connecticut. God Come on, Fitz. It. I need those miles. You wouldn't? No. No. I, we're going to Hartford or San Jose in the first round. I guarantee it. No, you're wrong. They're, I hope I'm wrong. I'm telling you right now, KU will be in Tulsa to sell the tickets because nobody else will be in the – I mean, Oklahoma might get in KU a bit, but they're not going to sell tickets. How crazy, by the way, that Oklahoma is going to go to the NCAA they're, tournament. They shouldn't. They, they shouldn't. Absolutely they're going to. shouldn't. They're – their, their non-conference was so good. I know, I know. But if you're going to be 6-12 and 12 in the conference or whatever they're going to Conference record doesn't weigh into it, apparently, you know, all that much. But the fact that you lost 6 of your – or 12 of your last 18 probably should, whether it's conference or not. I, of course, there was an SEC game in there. I don't, did they win that one? I don't even know. I don't. Yeah, probably did. They played Florida and they won. Yeah. So, no. Boost their no, 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 no. They didn't play Florida. They played – Oh, they got Vandy. Yeah, they won. (laughs) They slaughtered Vanderbilt by 30. I I think the Big 12 is the most competitive conference, but eight teams. Oh, really? Really? Uh, So I. Bruce would still probably want Oklahoma State and West Virginia in there, too. Yeah. My theory is that the 
the NCAA is going to look at Kansas State as a Big 12 champion, and they're going to say, well done, Kansas State. You had a great season. We know you want Des Moines. We know you want Tulsa in that first two rounds. But we're going to send you out to Hartford, Connecticut. We're going to send you to San Jose, California. And if you prove that you can win two games out there, then we're going to stick you in Kansas City, Missouri for works. the Sweet 16. That's not how it works. The pod system is established so that you get to play closer to home whenever possible. And and I the higher you. seated you are, the more likely you are to get a pod close to home. Well, I understand And there's two that. pods here, so they can even divide KU and K-State. Yeah. I think KU get Tulsa to sell tickets, period. There's not enough Texas teams or Oklahoma teams or SEC teams to really sell out that arena. Des Moines is a little bit different. They're going to bleed some Big Ten teams in there, and Iowa State will be in there. But you can still put Iowa State in one bracket and Kansas State in the other bracket. I think Tulsa is more likely. For K-State? Oh, yeah. You can still do that, too, because they also like to do that. Oh, put KU and K-State together because that way they're fans that share both. They'll cheer for each other. No, nobody does that. No. No. Look, that 2010 game against Northern KU Northern Iowa game was probably the most fun non K State game I've ever been to in my life. Because all the K State fans were cheering for. Oh, them, huh? yeah. <laughs> so loud. Maybe they do that, but either way, I think they'll be, unless they collapse. If they win the Big 12, and if they win the Big 12 and get shipped out after all these years of Kansas getting whatever they wanted because they're Big 12 champions, it stinks. It stinks to high heaven. And if KU doesn't win the Big 12, and if they're like in third, they don't deserve to be in the Midwest region. They, I agree. They should play in a pod close to home, sell tickets, and then they can go to Anaheim or Louisville or wherever. There was no reason for me to be in Sacramento that year, though. Well, Casey, what's that? To go from Dayton to Sacramento? But that. That's that, a different argument. That's a different argument. They, they weren't a high saying, seed. They were a playing game. You don't get a. Nobody cares about you if you're in a playing game. You get to go to Sacramento. That's the point. I was just saying from a logistics crazier things. But they, that's my point. Yeah. They don't care about a 12 seed. They care about the one through four seeds. Yeah. That's that's why the pod system was set up because too many of the the upper seeds were being shipped out because they weren't close enough regions because they were going strictly on regions. Will they be a four seed? If they win the Big 12, they will be because they'll have the record to boast that. Uh, I I agree. I think they should. Well, then again, you don't know what the stupid net ratings are going to do. Yeah. They're getting better for K-State. They're they're getting better overall, and that's what someone said early on. You've got to focus through the entire season, and and then they kind of lock in. People freaking out. They were pretty out of whack for a while. Yeah, they were but out of whack. so were whatever that is, the RPI. They were trash. Whatever doesn't benefit K State is what is out of whack at the time. That's that's the way it goes. Well you know, K State had some losses that really watered down their overall value. Some of the intangibles or tangibles, I guess it would be, some of the stats they use don't favor K State. But at the end, if you win the most competitive conference in the country, you're a damn good basketball team, and I think that's how K-State should be respected at, at the end of the season. Now they got to go take care of business. They sweep Kansas. If they go 5-0 and down the stretch and win it just definitively, there's no doubt in my mind they're a top-four seed. They should be in one of the local brackets and in Kansas City. No doubt in my mind, and if it's anything less than that, screw you, NCAA. You know, I, I just I'm, I'm getting feisty, guys. We better take a break. This is the PowerCat Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. That segment's brought to you by the high-low. That was high there for low. That's what I'm doing. This is a theme. 
I'm Tiff Fitzgerald. That's Riley Gates and Zach Carlson is our MC, and we'll be back with the overtime right after this break. The gang will return with more of the Power Camp Podcast. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. Back to Fitz on the Power Camp Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. It's time to wrap up the Power Camp Podcast with the overtime. If you're new, and we always gain new listeners, we have the first half, sports. Second half, sports. Third half, not the third half, it's overtime, because there's no third half. That's, that doesn't work. That's not how halves work. It's only two halves, so we have the overtime. Extra stuff. Sometimes sports. Stick to sports, man. Sometimes tacos. Stick to sports. I'm not sticking to sports, man. If I want to talk about tacos, by God, I'll talk about tacos. Do we get any taco questions? No, but you're making me want to go get some tacos. Tacos sound pretty good. Hilo didn't have tacos, do they? No. I mean, you could technically make a taco. Like order pizza? And and fold it into a pizza taco? Yeah. I think, or you could just get a taco pizza somewhere. I bet they have a taco pizza. I don't know. You can probably ask for some ground beef. Look, I'm just going to say it. And if, then some if, cheese if, and if then we lettuce. If tacos, I probably would go to a non-sponsor place for tacos because our sponsors don't serve tacos. Well, the great taco place in Manhattan does not get their liquor from the Fritz Wholesale Liquor. <sighs> Unfortunate. They have been hashtag very, exposed. They have been very loyal to their liquor store, which has done a good job of servicing their account. And I understand why it's, they wouldn't change. Fair enough. Weird. Uh, I appreciate it's the only flaw. where to get your liquor from a place that you can check out books, but <laughs> you know. Well, there Whatever. We go. There we go. It's all on the table. It's right there. This is the Powercat Podcast, sponsored by the Fridge, and the the third segment is not sponsored by anyone currently. From Canelio. <laughs> that was the weirdest transition of all time. <laughs> uh, here's Zach. He's, he's eager to go. From Canelio. He might need to pee. I don't know. He noticed a tweet this week about new helmets being delivered to Veneer. Is there any shot of them being some sort of alternate helmets with a new look? The answer is no. <laughs> well, I better watch myself because I'll uh, get 
people will be mad at me for call you a douchebag. Yeah, Can alert. We say that on a podcast. Hey, look, we say ass and damn. I, I don't. There is a chance, but I don't think it's that yet. There is a chance. Chris Kleiman's told recruits are going to have some kind of helmet alteration. You know? It's not that, okay? I'm just going to say that. Why are you so convinced it's not that? Because they do this crap. This is not the first time that they've said new helmets or tweeted a picture of a box and was like, oh, look what the new shipment brought in today. The- <laughs> oh, I'm, aware, I'm aware of that, but that was almost like the playing sw- off the fact that Coach Snyder would not do anything new. Number one, the swag team loves to screw with people. They get off They've on always it. done it. They get off on it. Number two. The tweet said, new helmets are here. That's all it is. It is a physically new helmet. We know what that they've they been... What they tweeted was an accurate yeah. assessment of events. No need to speculate So stop here. speculating on it. They've been incorporating vices for a while. Yeah. I'm sure they're bringing in new Zeniths every year. This was simply the silver per- the silver helmet, the off-purple power cat with the stripe down Just the middle. Well, I bet you it didn't have any decals on it. It was a silver helmet with a silver face mask. Okay. Yeah, they apply the decals. Yeah, man. They just order. A, it came from Zenith. It's you, probably a new model that they're just. You just get out. a blank. You get a blank, whether it's silver or purple or white or pink. Don't get excited. Why does nobody have a pink helmet? Oregon does. Oh, they do. That's Did they right. wear a pink well, it's, helmet? It's a white helmet with a pink O. Okay. Yeah, they're like that's breast cancer, and I'm like, all right, there's a limit, like. How about prostate cancer? Why don't you do something that your players might get someday? I'm sorry. I think that'd be weird, too. (laughs) I I think there's a line where you draw charities and and, uh, causes. I'm with you. I mean, if pink works into your colors, I get it. I mean, I I noticed... I noticed the KU. It's jumped the shark. I noticed KU women were in all pink uniforms. Well, you, that kind of fits your school and your college red. So K State did it too. They, no, they, they wear pink. Uh, they do it every year. Yes, they, they do did. it every uh, they've year. They've had a lavender in the women's side. Haven't they? they wore pink. No, no they no. wore pink. <laughs> yeah, see, that bothers me. You know, but, uh, but it bothers me less with women's that. basketball because breast cancer awareness is very tangible to women's basketball. But at least everybody does it. The play for K thing. I, I don't agree. Like right. I, I don't think they should do it for the whole however long. Well, they we're do getting it. into one of my new things, and that'll be part of my nonprofit. But it's time we talk about other forms of cancer. We're all aware of breast cancer. They've done an incredible job of making us aware of breast cancer. But none of the basketball players, well, not, I, men do get breast cancer, but none of the men's basketball players have a high likelihood to get breast cancer. They need to be aware of stuff that will affect them. And if they're African-American, greatly affect them. <sighs> Anyhow, new helmets, uh, I'm saying they are. I'm saying they're a brand-new helmet, well, and they're purple. Enjoy that heartbreak. Okay. That's why I got married. Uh <laughs> Purple Powerhouse I'm good at being asks, uh, Gene Taylor said it could take a couple of years to get new uniforms. Thing is, I've seen other schools radically change their look from one year to the next, so why would the turnaround time for K-State be different? Well, the lead times on uniforms, yeah. especially design, like it's a whole process. You sit down one day and you design it. You know, it's, it doesn't take one day, but you sit, the day you sit down, I mean, that starts the process. Um, I know Sporting KC, every year they release a new kit, um, either home or away. But I know that... That's not done in the offseason. That's done in the offseason the year prior. They The moment they release, so they just released their new home kit for the next two years, they'll start working on two years from now's new right. home kit this year. Right. Like, they've already started designs for, you know, the next cycle. There's not a quick turnaround when someone drops a new uniform. It's... You're not expecting a new uniform, so when it drops, it's kind of out of the blue. Here at K-State, everybody's 
expecting it to come, expecting it to come. So they're thinking it's going to be this quick process. Whereas in, in other settings and other places, they don't sit here and wait for the new uniforms to come out. And so they don't understand that behind the scenes there's a two-year process going on. Look, I, I think they can do new pants really quickly. I mean, that's just... I mean, they can... They, they if can they, do if it they wanted, If they wanted to get new uniforms, they could do it. The quickest thing you can do, honestly, is a helmet. Because it, that's just decals yeah. over a blank. What You know, here's your mask color. If, particularly if you're picking an off-the-shelf color. Now, if it's a custom color, which K-State needs to adhere to... You know, and again, I'm going to say this. Please change the color of the power cat. I don't know why Coach Snyder loved that deep plum power cat, but that's not a K-State color. I like it. I don't. I think it looks hideous. Use the K-State purple throughout the uniform. You you have the ability. Our new studio here has 17 purples in it because yeah. we're buying off the shelf. And if you buy off the shelf, you get that. And if you buy off the shelf, you get Shades of purple that eat light in different ways. It's kind of a printing term. They look purple to the eye and blue on TV or whatever. The purple's a really difficult color. But K-State now has found a color that works to the eye on TV, and they use it, and it looks great. Let's stick with that through everything uniform-wise. So maybe they can't do everything they want, but they could get a blank helmet, put new decals on it, and go. Just Shirts, uniform tops, that's a whole design process of printing. And I don't want them to screw it up. I want them to get it right. Plus, it's Nike, and you got to train the 12-year-old Chinese children how to do it properly. But another argument against the whole, you can't, you know, it takes so long to make a uniform. Nike doesn't know who the playoff teams are going to be. They don't make those jerseys with the diamond swoosh until the teams are set. You know, there's... Is that just a patch? What do you mean? The diamond swoosh? Is that... They, that's a... That's a swoosh. Like that's that's a jersey thing. That's a jersey thing. Oh, I thought it was a patch. No, I mean it's it's a oh, new jersey. Damn. Yeah. So I mean, yes, the designs are in that case the designs are already made. You can make a garment pretty quickly yeah, there. You, they but, probably have some designs you can plug and play, but you don't want that. You want your thing, your but, font, your everything. Right. But part of me thinks Gene's saying it's going to take two years. They could probably get something quicker. But him saying two years makes me think that there might be more redesigns along the line. You know, maybe secondary logos, different fonts. They're I know do pe- this right. People have complained, and I agree with them, about how the baseball logo gets used on ESPN as their second mm-hmm. secondary graphic that kind of pops out. They need something else. You can't. Re- I like that logo, but it doesn't work for outside of baseball. In I my opinion. agree. So I think that they're going to do this right. Marketing is going to take a whole, a whole approach to it. It'll be done right. Hey, while we're talking about redesign, can I get the simple K at midcourt like the original one in Ahern? No. I like, love that. Like KU's old court with the, yeah, state, with of Kansas. the state of Kansas and the K no, in the it's K? A, it's a white circle with a purple K on no, it. No, hard freaking pass. No, it's awesome. Look, I there's want the power cats in the corner. I want a basketball wearing K-State sunglasses. Is, yeah. You remember that logo? I want that on the floor. Do they have that on the floor? I don't think it was ever on the floor, but it was a logo. Well, I love Lon Kruger, but he here. here's what I want my logo to be. Uh, a basketball with the word cats across it. Yeah. And then it goes to Florida. I want a basketball with the word gators across it. And it goes to Illinois. I want a basketball with the word Illini across it. Here's what I'm going to tell you, Fitz. Great coach, horrible designer. And this is where I'm going to act like a millennial, mm-hmm. that word that everybody loves to use. Hey, old man, get over it. 
That's not that cool of a court design. That sucks. I'm not talking about that I design. Know. I'm talking about an updated version of that design. No. And this comes from the millennial who thinks the Tom and Jerry Wildcat carrying a pennant is cool. That's the coolest <laughs> K-State logo in the university. Hey, old man, that's a wussy logo no, from a time not. gone by. Look. In Do you want it to be Cahill again, too? In 2019, the there's down. no reason for your logo to be a damn letter, especially on ESPN when you're going to be on constantly trying to impress recruits and your court is a K. When you're known as K-State? No. Hell yes. No. Hard pass. Yeah. Are people Googling K-State? No. Actually, they're, they're not. not. They're not. I was really surprised to learn that. But the, oh, we're giving away some um, from Cliff Clavin, seven five four. If Chris Beard is worth half the ink written about him, does he lose to this KU team in Lubbock? Chris Beard is worth every drop of ink written about him. That That's guy's what, a dog. I think Chris Beard is why they won this game. I really do. I think they win it. But I don't know. Maybe KU's minus Vic is. Found themselves. If KU wins in Lubbock, it's not going to be because of what Texas Tech didn't do. It's going to be because of what Bill Self did. Because that guy is special. They're both great coaches. Right. Did you see Chris Beard annihilate a walk-on? Oh, yeah, for this shot. Crap. I was torn on that. No, I wasn't. That was clearly a... Barry Brown's dunk kind of came in the course of the game. You prob- they probably weren't realizing the clock was in the final seconds, and he did it. And he, after the game, he spun it. I, but that was clearly game's over, but I'm still going to go dunk. Right, but that wasn't a Barry Brown-esque player on the floor for Texas Tech. That was a walk-on. Still got to know your role, man. Earn the chance I was to dunk torn. in a game. I was torn. From Powercat Ryan, if you were in charge of marketing for K-State after the Wildcats win a Big 12 championship outright, what would you put on the westbound I-70 billboard that is directly across from KU's billboard in Topeka? That's a tough one. That's tough. I just buy a billboard outside of Lawrence just says, like, you guys lost. The streak <laughs> is sucked. Just, Here's just what Helvetica, think. white billboard, black font, Helvetica, your streak is over, and then just a power cat on the bottom. Who was the commentator? That's pretty good, actually. <laughs> Who was the commentator, do you know, for the 2008 game in Manhattan? Brent, uh, Brent in Musburger? Brent Musburger and who? Do you remember the... Uh, Bob Knight? No, 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 no. It wasn't Bob Knight. Uh, I know it wasn't. I don't know. Uh, but no, okay, no, it wouldn't. That game was on ESPN+. Plus, so right, that was, right. yeah, like probably... By the way, How? ESPN Plus. But anyways, whoever it is, I think you just got to get a billboard and you put the streak is dead because that's what he yelled when the clock hit zero and when they beat KU in Manhattan. I don't think anybody would get that. But it's very factual. And you can just put dash whoever and put a picture of Barry Brown holding a Big 12 championship trophy. The streak is dead. Or you just get... But I'm also torn because... A giant picture of the new K-State ring with the power kit on it, and that's all it says. But I also, like, I'm torn because I don't want to recognize the streak in my billboard. Like, I want to make it about K-State, not about the fact that KU did win 14 straight. Right. I agree. That's why I just put the ring the ring. Just put the... That's it. The ring. And then a little something at the bottom, you know, your marketing message. Won the dang day. Eh. (laughs) (laughs) Might, might be overkill. <laughs> That's going to get old very quickly, too. 
If it keep it for football, it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. From Wildcat Engineer, should Gene Taylor and K State look at improving Bramlage or Bill Snyder Family Stadium as a concert venue? Is there money to be made from being a concert destination point? This is kind of an interest point of mine. I think right now the price point of concerts has exceeded this market. I thought what they did with that uh, football season. Train. Yeah. They missed they miscalculated on the axe. They should have gone all in on one thing or all in on the other. You couldn't split the baby in half and have train with Zach Brown band. That was just Such bizarre. A trash lineup. <laughs> Zach Brown band isn't though. That's a big time headliner. But then everyone else on that lineup was trash compared to what you needed. Um and then to have tickets over a hundred dollars, they just the price point just missed. But maybe they can't afford those acts, and if you can't afford those acts, uh, then then so be it. I went to a cool Dirk Bentley concert when he was just starting out, and it was in Bramlage, and the stage faced the seat back section. So it didn't cut the arena in half; they just cut it to one side, and he played to that side. So it was like playing to a smaller venue. It was kind of weird because you didn't have any seating on the side. Um, I think maybe a better way to do it is actually put it in the corner so you do have, you know, kind of curved seating. But I don't think they can afford an act to come into the full Bramlage Coliseum and sell enough tickets. I just don't. Not with the Sprint Center right up the road. Yeah. I got it right. Got it right. And Interest, which is a good concert venue down the road. You got two great venues two hours away. Those acts are going to stop there. Yeah. I mean, who? I, I don't know pop music well enough, and I don't know who in the pop genre might stop here. I mean, Ariana Grande is the only person I can think of right now, but like she's so massive. Like she would cost millions of dollars. Right. Like it would well, be anybody. I just saw someone at yeah. Sprint Center, and I had they had a big debut concert announcement. I had no idea who it was, and I kind of know music. I don't. Wasn't Travis Scott at Sprint Travis Center Scott was there on Sunday. Yeah. No, it was some called female. it St. Louis. Yeah. Oh yeah, good move. Maybe there's a genre that isn't in my wheelhouse. You know that. Like Zach said, though, anybody that's worth a ticket is going to cost you millions. So you might sell it out, but like, are you going to yeah. be able to pay the performer? Right. Like, like Nick Jonas was the last person and within the last two years. That, so. and, and Nick Jonas isn't. I wouldn't. He's big. Yes, don't get me wrong. Is he like? To, is he top forty? You know, right now? No, he's not. He's, and Nick Jonas isn't the Jonas Brothers. Right. He'll like, sell tickets, but he's not a. He's, He's not a marquee. Hey, look, how about, how about someone like Post Malone? I mean, kind of newer guy <laughs> coming up fast. I'd kill I mean, to go to a Post I Malone think that concert. A, a Post Malone concert would sell out Bramlage Absolutely. pretty quickly. And yeah. all students, too. And yeah, that's be, cool. Yeah. That's cool. But I don't know how much he would cost. I but don't the, know what. Then you get he, into the price point. Like, now is when you got to do it. Like, you can't, because he's probably about to drop another album soon. Beer Bongs and Bentleys came out last April. Yeah, he's. It's got to be coming soon, and he's gonna hit it. So his price will only go up. So this is how, and I, I knew who Post Malone was, but I really hadn't listened to his music. They had an Elvis tribute, and I'm a big Elvis fan. On uh, it was the 50 year anniversary of the '68 concert, so they filmed it in the in last year, and they just aired it. Blake Shelton hosted a lot of country people on there. Post Malone was on it, singing Elvis, playing guitar, singing the blues. And an Elvis rock, and I'm like, oh my god, this guy is talented. He's tattooed like a freak, but does he have eye tattoos? Post Malone is the weirdest looking dude ever. Yeah, and like just knowing that, like he came from like a rich part of Dallas. 
Really? Yeah. Like, I mean, basically his parents, I think, funded funded his music career to an extent. Like, he's ma- don't get me wrong, he's made it. Like, he's he's good. But I think that he got a little bit of flack early on in his career where people were like, you were just handed this. Like, you didn't earn this. Well, I'll tell you this. He was wildly talented. He's incredible. Yeah. And, and I went and listened to his music, and I'm going, you know, this isn't my genre. This is really good. This is really well-constructed music. This is good stuff. This is artistic, which I can't say about all versions of rap right now. He's like he's rap, but he's not rap at the right. same time. You he's, know. Well, that's what I like. He's kind of a fusion artist. You can yeah. you can hear. But anyhow, th- something like that. But you have to have a savvy booker to get the, to know the market to get those type of people. Is there a country act coming up right now uh, that would sell out? I don't think so. And, and you end up recycling, you know, we're bringing in Toby Keith again. No, no. Jake Owen is a terrific show, but he's kind of old. Yeah, he's kind of. You can't know. do anything country because everything is compared to Stampede. You've got to find someone. This is where you need to get away from Stampede. you got to find someone who plays into the young country sensibilities of the student body. That they want to see at Stampede, while still having an older audience appreciate him, like Luke Combs. Yes, Luke Combs. I would pay to go see Luke Combs. You need to go. Here's what you, you need to give UPC the budget but, of K State. But again, like uniforms, you get a window where you got to book these guys, and there's so much luck involved. Like the time yeah. that Pat Green had a number one song and was playing Longhorns, because they had booked him a year in advance or six months in advance, and the song blew up and hit number one. And that's happened with small bar concerts in Manhattan with country a number of times now. There's so much good fortune involved in it. Manhattan just doesn't have, they don't compare to Lawrence very well as far as a smaller, you know, thousand seat type place for a concert venue. When I say seats, obviously Lawrence isn't, you're, right. not, you're mostly standing, but Lawrence gets a decent acts you know there might is be, a good music town. might be a little bit more alternative or a little bit more hipster but the acts like if you just go back and look over the last five years the acts that have played in lawrence a lot of them have blown up if i was a multimillionaire and like i won the lottery yeah you know 200 millions i got i would buy the old carmack theaters and turn it into a concert venue like that they need something better than aware them that's just i it's not big enough. There's so many people there, like you said. Yeah. It's not comfortable. Again, to get the price point that you can sell the tickets and sell enough tickets to pay the artist, you want to break even on that. Okay? You're not making money if you're a bar off selling tickets. You're just trying to pay yeah. the artist, and you're trying to sell a bunch of alcohol, but then they did sell enough tickets, you got to sell to underage kids, and they're not selling. It's... It's almost an impossible marketplace because you, we don't have big enough venues here uh, because there's not enough demand and the ticket price gets too high and then people don't go. It's just I can't imagine dealing with it. If I won the lottery, I'd tear down Dirty Dogs, tear down the hat, build something there. I would agree. And then I would, hi- I would have like probably once a year. Get some big act, but you don't announce it. You just say, you're buying this ticket blind, 50 bucks. You get what you get. And then the first year you do something amazing – People miss out on. You don't have to be amazing every year, but you know, good enough. I agree. A concert venue in Aggieville would be significant. I just think that Carmack Theater is built. It can be carved out. It's a huge structure. It's built for acoustics already. Yeah. Um, You could put a bar in one end, a bowling alley maybe, and a concert venue. There you go. Just make it a main event or a Dave and Buster's. I don't want games. (laughs) 
Um, from AZ Caddo Five, does That's a the, long answer. Does by the way. GPC have an Employee of the Month award? And he yeah. misspelled plaque, but he said plague. That's on very the wall. fitting. <laughs> I did notice that. It's very fitting. We got an Employee of the Month plague. Yes. Uh, yes. Fritz yeah, with his Ebola. I would like it. to point out that I am undefeated in the Employee of the Month because I win it for hiring someone that did a great job that month. <laughs> but you're not an employee. I am technically an employee of Spirit Street Publishing, Inc. You made it! I'm also the president. <laughs> you don't get to be your own employee. So I'm the employee of the month because Riley had a really good month in January, and I hired you. Logistically, it doesn't make sense that you're an employee. Oh, so you're one of the bosses that takes all the credit, huh? <laughs> I, I, I am. I take credit for that. Uh, yes. What about my videos? They're very fine. I'm glad I hired you. <laughs> They're very fine. <laughs> when was the last one you watched? It's uh, like that commercial. Uh, I'm one of the tattoo artists in town. <laughs> Have you watched a full video of mine since I became a full em- full time employee? Yes, I bet, uh, but I, only the ones I was in because they were outstanding. Because I was in it. You've been in a video in a year. <laughs> yes. Uh, last question of. The podcast from I Like Pickles Cat. How is the studio coming along? Yeah, you kind of stepped on that too. Hey, look. Look. He was excited to talk about Nobody it. Nobody people really survives this podcast from beginning to end, except for guys like I Like Pickles Cat. And we'll, we'll put in some more information here because if someone made it all the way through and got to this question, they get a little more loving. The video set for, for the Power Chat video show that we're going to debut. Re debut. That was, that was like the. No, it was the pilot. We filmed a pilot. pilot. We it was a pilot. pilot from then it's G- not a debut. <laughs> Again. No. no. Uh, sometimes you use the pilot as the first episode, and sometimes you just reshoot. Sometimes you can shoot a new pilot. Like, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay, man. We, anyway. We, we figured out what went wrong, what went right, uh, and the only thing that went right was the host. What went right? We had someone on the power chat. Breaking. Fitz throws Gene under the bus. So the only thing good on that, that show is the host. He was outstanding. Employee of the month. Um, but no, it... Uh, so we, we sat down then and we were able to conceptualize a better version of it. But honestly, the reason why we didn't do it, because with Bill Snyder at the helm, you couldn't have access to anyone. You couldn't build a set and have football be able to access it to come in here and do a, a sit-down show. And we're going to be able to do that. Now, players, I don't know yet, but maybe. It'd be cool. Maybe. Uh, we hope to arrange to have uh, a certain head football coach in here for the debut. We'll see. Deb? Uh Yes, yes, <laughs> head football coach. Um, Sorry, you said football. I was just thinking head coach, and I'm more um, than funny. But the set looks amazing. <laughs> it's a very confined area that we rented when our, our roommates moved out, like the Baltimore Colts, um, and they they gave up an office space, which uh, Dim and Dimmer over here are moving into. By the way, you're great employees. Uh, I'd like to point that out. I moved uh, into we got to get Zach in there by the end of the week. Um, so we picked up this kind of, it was an office area for him, and we're turning it into a multi-purpose staging area, which means we'll be moving stuff around a little bit to, to access things. But uh, we're in the podcast area to our left, just how many feet is that, 15 feet? Uh, Ish. Yeah, free throw? Eight feet. Uh, Wait, you're talking the wall? Yeah, to the oh, wall. Oh, it's shorter oh, okay. than 15. Yeah, it is. Uh, is the uh, video set, and Rocky the Wildcat is staring at us. Rocky has been a member of the staff for a good 10, 15 years. Rocky's been sitting in a corner since we moved downtown. And he was on the wall in Aggieville <laughs> for years, freaking people out. Uh, but now Rocky is my co-host. He's 
right there front and center. He's an awful co-host if he's over there. Hey, well, not for the podcast, for the, the oh, yeah, the videos. Yeah, he's got right in the middle of everything. Uh, an incredible collection of uh, photos will be on the walls. We've got a stand-up thing over here behind Zach, uh, the Turkish bath tile wall. <laughs> we, we were thinking about uh, having like Marcus Watts and maybe Travis Tannehill come in and do some analysis, but they'll have to wear a robe. We'll give you guys. I can see Travis too. doing that. Travis I, would wear it. He yeah. would wear a robe. Marcus, I'm not. I'm not wearing a no, robe. That's no, weird. Robe. Why, why do you got? God. I don't want to be naked. <laughs> you don't have to be naked, Marcus. We'll give you a video tour when it's done. And then yeah, we're definitely going to do a video tour. And then we have this other wall for stand-ups, which uh, we'll be using on a regular basis. That we still need to finish, uh, but it's going to look incredible. It's going to be a really cool backdrop, I think. Maybe it'll look like ass on video. But it's coming along. There's just so much little finish work. We get we get close to doing things, and then we realize, you know what? We really need a little more backlighting, so we've got to put some can lighting in the ceiling and, um, you know, to further enhance the look of the set. Still painting out in the lobby area because it all connects, and we'll get that signage up. Got some purple lights hung out there. There's real subtle purple lights on the wall. But uh, it's going to look good. There's, it's the finish work, man, the trim work, the... And we still got tape on the baseboard that can come off. That just little stuff like that just drives me wacko. But we uh, made a major breakthrough when uh, Flip and Flap here were on their date in Texas. Dave, so Dim and Dimmer, there. Flip and Flap. Who's who? Uh, you guys can pick. Okay. I'm Flip. I'll be Dim. I don't know. No, I'm Dim and Flip. You don't get to be the better one of the two. No, you first and second. So right. that's, that's a good choice by Zach. I did more work. I hired him. I'm employee of the month for that. <laughs> that's it for the PowerCat Podcast. We appreciate you putting up with us, listening. I hope you enjoyed it. We were a little sour, or a little sweet, and we were a little stupid. We're all those things in one podcast, and we always love the fridge, wholesale liquor. Get into the fridge when you come to town for Saturday's game with the Oklahoma State Cowboys, who are not very good and still somehow won the other night. I can't explain it. Can't figure it out. We'll talk to you next week. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.